0: Welcome back to the Tell Them You Mean Business podcast and happy new year. With us today is Patty Habek, the president and CEO of Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. Listen to Patty talk about the work this organization does to relieve hunger in Wisconsin. Learn about the peanut butter and jelly challenge and learn about food safety during this segment of Hoopy Hot Seat. Also on this episode, listen to a case result reading about a client who received $85,000 after she was injured in a restaurant drive-thru. Stay tuned for all this and more here on this episode of Tell Them You Mean Business. I am so excited today to be back with Patty Haybeck from Feeding America, the president and CEO. Patty, thank you so much for agreeing to be here. Happy New Year. Um, I am just so happy to be talking about Feeding America. We've spent a lot of time there, my employees have, and you just have such a great organization. Tell the listeners how long you've been there and, and how you got there and just, just about Feeding America in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And you know, I'm really excited about the new year and what's going to come in 2023. I am always very optimistic, so I'm starting the year in an optimistic kind of place. Good. Um, I've been with Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin for um, 11 years now. And um, I had no no knowledge of Feeding America when I first started. It was one of those um, things I was happy at my job. And we had a board member who wanted um, me to lead a capital campaign to build a second food bank up in the Appleton area. And so I was happy at my job. He came by and he said, you know, would you consider this? And I said, love what I'm doing. I'll get you some good people, but I'm not interested. And he came back again and I said, you know what? I'm going to head down to milwaukee i'll check out the food bank in milwaukee i'll spend two days down there but i won't talk to any management i'm only going to talk to the warehouse team our volunteers the forklift drivers i want to know what the real story is about feeding america and i have to tell you on that second day as i was driving back i picked up the phone i called him said i would do it um i would not only do it but i really fell in love with the mission i fell in love with what what was happening and and so that's how I, how I started with the organization.
0: You know, it's it's the same kind of story, actually. I've heard from a lot of other people like you that are doing amazing things and are asked, you know, the people involved in these organizations, they see people out in the community doing other things and they know, I, I want that person. That person would do a great job here. And it's usually not the first ask that gets the people to come. It's the second or the third, and then you go see what's going on, and then you just fall in love with the mission. I know the first time I, I was ever at Feeding American, it was probably eight years ago ago, and we were, you know, unwrapping food or doing things, whatever you guys would ask us to do, you just can't help love what's going on. And when I was with you, actually, at the end of last year, I think our staff was there a couple of days, and you and I were talking about food insecurity issues. I just can't believe that, you know, here we are in 2023, and food insecurity is still a big issue. It's like heartbreaking to me. Um, to hear that there's so many people and children that are that are going hungry, it just seems crazy
1: it is, and you know I've had this conversation so many times that it's not something that I think will end soon, but we have everything we need to end it it's just it's almost like we're missing the will or or the collaboration or the partnership to all come together and say, listen, we're, we're tired of there being hungry people. Yeah. And so that's you know, a big part of what I do is I, I do things like this. I talk to community. I talk to anyone who will listen to say, listen, we have what we need to solve food security, food insecurity. And what we really need to do is get our ducks in a row, get everyone lined up and say, we're done with it and we're going to fix it.
0: How, I want to go back and learn more about you. But before we do that, how big of a problem is food insecurity now?
1: So um, in Wisconsin, in eastern Wisconsin, which is what we cover, mm-hmm. um, eastern Wisconsin, it, it ranges. Um, in Milwaukee, one in four kids, one in four kids is is food insecure. And you look at that and you look at how many kids we have in, in yeah, Milwaukee and crazy. you just think this is just not right. No. Um, one in six individuals uh, uh, total all the ages in in um, Milwaukee or one in eight in eastern. It doesn't really matter. Those numbers are huge. And um, the area that we serve, I'm I'm helping about 500,000 people in need. Wow! And that that number is so scary, but I hardly ever use it because what's behind that number are people, and those people are, you know, um, little Susie's and Joey's and. And Antoine's who who just need help and yeah. they, they need the food. And so I hate using 500,000 because it takes away from the fact that those are all names and faces and stories, quite honestly. Yeah.
0: You know, fi- 500,000 people. But yeah, it makes way more sense to talk about that they are people. And how would we expect kids in school to sit around and learn or want to learn if you're hungry? I mean, we all can think about ourselves. If we're going through a day and we're hungry, it's hard to do our jobs. It's hard to focus. I mean crazy to think in 2023 that, that there's that many people that are hungry. Uh but that's why that's what makes feeding america so fantastic and amazing. Okay, going back. <laughs> Years and years ago, you then decide, you see the mission, you're like, I'm all about it. And then what is your initial role and what are you doing? And then how did you get to be the head honcho, the big cheese, <laughs> making all the decisions, going out there and doing great things?
1: So I never really set out to be the leader of any organization. That's not that's not really what I felt my calling was. In fact, I was supposed to be a dentist. I have an undergrad in biochemistry. I was supposed to go to dental school, and I was just taking one year off to see what the community had to offer. And, yeah. and here I am all these years later.
0: Well, let me say this thank God you're not a dentist because you're <laughs> you have made such a difference in this community. And it is amazing. And this definitely was your calling because you do an amazing thank job. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, I actually started with Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin as um, a fundraiser, as as the Northeast Wisconsin Regional Manager. I think that was my title at the time. And my job was to to build the building up north. We had 26 counties. That um, encompassed uh, a wide geography and a lot of rural communities, and it was very difficult to serve. And um, sending our trucks trucks out of Milwaukee Food Bank all the way up to Vilas County in the north was just was just too much transportation and logistics. And so they wanted to build a smaller facility in Appleton. The land had already been purchased by the time I came in. Uh, big sign said coming soon, and I walked onto the land and I realized, you know what, we have a lot of work to do before we actually build the building because. Feeding America is not about um, just the building. It's about the network. And we needed people to understand what it is that we were doing. We needed to build a network. And so that's what I did. Ultimately, ended up building the building. It's about a third of the size of the one we have on Front okay. of Black Avenue in Milwaukee. It's much smaller. And then I was gonna go back to my other job. And um, it just so happened that the um, president of Feeding America at the time, um, the one that was based in Milwaukee, was retiring. And so the board asked if I would just stay a little longer, help break in a new president, which I did. Um, and that person came in, um, led for a couple of years, but but then there were challenges and, and problems that, that we needed to look at. Um, and so the board asked if I'd stay a little longer. Ultimately, here <laughs> a little I longer, am. a little, little longer, until yeah. you're the president, <laughs> I, and that's exactly what happened. That's and awesome. um, now, president and CEO, um, been doing this for about six and a half years, and um, just loving every minute of it. So, I. Um, Easily was able to give up the idea that I'd ever go back to anything else. This is where my heart and passion is and and that's why I'm still doing what I do.
0: To to build the building in Appleton, how much money did you have to raise to get that from start to finish completed?
1: Um, What was really nice about it, my campaign size was only 6 million, which in the world of capital campaigns is not that big. The challenge to it was we didn't have any board members up there. We didn't have um, a a set of donors because we weren't really known up there. And that's why I said I had to go back to build the network. But I will tell you, as soon as I started um, telling people about what we were doing, why we were bringing the uh, food bank to the area. Uh, We just had so much support. And we ended up opening it a year earlier than planned.
0: That's awesome. And you said it's a third of the size of the Milwaukee campus. The building here in Milwaukee is amazing, what you've done to that. You know, as we volunteered there over the years to see what it is now, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, our building in Milwaukee, right on Fond du Lac Avenue, um, you know, right as you enter downtown, just half mile up from Pfizer. I mean, it's in such an important place. But what I love about it, it's an old building. And, and we know that, but we've loved it into um, into this this entity that lives on Fond du Lac Avenue, in the middle of uh, community. Right. There's houses all around us. There's neighbors all around us, and we just love being there. And so we um, we know that that's our space. Uh, the building itself is is like I said, it's old, but it's serving our purpose, and we absolutely like it.
0: Yeah, but on the outside, it's old, but on the inside, it- Feels brand, it really feels brand new, actually, the <laughs> way you've done that. I mean, if you closed yeah. your eyes and walked in the door, you would never believe that the inside is coordinated with the outside. You just would not know that.
1: You know what? And I'll, I will tell you the secret to that is it's our um, staff and our volunteers who love that space so much. We have volunteers that will come in. And I have one gentleman named Dale who doesn't like when our forklifts leave any black marks on the floor. And he will come in there and he will ride what we call a Zamboni, a floor scrubber. Yeah. Um, he will scrape it up with uh, razor blades if he needs to. Whatever he has to do to take care of that the floors there. Yeah. So that's how every part of our building is. Our yeah. staff and our, our um, volunteers make sure that it is clean, it is shiny. It's really uh, respectful for the work that we're doing.
0: Well, you see the pride in the place by everybody that's there. That's for sure. I want to talk a little bit about how much food and the counties you serve. If, if my uh, notes tell me, right, you serve 35 counties uh, in southeastern Wisconsin?
1: We have 35 counties in eastern Wisconsin. Eastern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And it says 33.3 million pounds of food?
1: Yes. And that is wild. It's a huge amount of food. If you break that down per day, you're, you're thinking about how many trucks have to, uh, semis have to come and go out of our building to distribute that. And actually during the height of the pandemic, it was actually almost 60 million. Um, so wow. we've come down a little bit.
0: And how does it work? The food comes in and how quickly do you want to get the food out? Because from being there and talking to people over the years, it seems like that's a pretty quick process. The food's coming in and going out and talk about that, how you... Get the donations and then get them out to the people that really need it as quick as possible.
1: Absolutely. So so um, the first thing we do when anyone starts new with our organization is we we tell them our job is not to store the food. It's not about the storage. It is about getting the food in, inspecting it, making sure it's ready to go out, and then getting it out the door as fast as possible. Because the faster we can turn that food over, the more people have more pantries, um, have the food that we we don't need to sit on this food. And so what we try to do is make sure that once it's received through our front, through our doors, we can sort it and make sure we've inspected it all and then get it out um, online within 24 hours. And by online, I just mean that um, we list it all on a, on a, um, site where food pantries can see everything that we have, and they can select exactly what it is that yeah that
0: want. was crazy when you and I were talking about that i didn 't realize that the pantries actually get to select the food. Another thing you told me late last year when we were together was about bartering with <laughs> with other uh, organizations like yours, where it may be hard for you here in Wisconsin to get this type of food. And other uh, food organizations around the country want this or that. Talk about this bartering, because I thought that was fascinating.
1: Yes. So you have to remember, food banks were founded um, back in the early 80s as a social innovation at the time. It was this idea of how do we gather all this leftover food that's in the, in the food system and make sure we get it to people in need. And so um, one of the ways that the, all the food banks decided to do this was to start trading food. And so in Wisconsin, we grow a lot of vegetables. Um, we have farms. We have a lot of uh, corn and potatoes. Um, we call them the hard seven vegetables. We have processing, uh, food processing. And so we have the, the uh, vegetable canners or, or frozen foods. In other parts of the country, they have a lot of fresh food and they want to move it very fast. Or in um, my favorite example is Atlanta where you find the peanut butter. And so what, what the food banks do is they created this intranet where we can actually trade. So I'll put on um, something that Wisconsin has a lot of, a lot of canned vegetables, and I'll trade it for peanut butter from Atlanta or cantaloupes from Texas. And by doing that, um, we're able to really make sure that there's a diversity of product and getting that nutrition into the food banks.
0: And how much of the food that's coming in and out is done under this kind of barter system versus just the donations you may be getting from local grocery stores or whoever, however else you're getting your donations? So
1: reality is Wisconsin is the the heartland. It is the middle of food producing. And so a lot of what we get just comes from growers, grocers, manufacturers, retailers um, and producers from the state of Wisconsin. Um, And so that's the bulk of what we do. But um, we still do quite a bit in that trading space. And I would say, I don't know the exact number, so don't quote me, but it's about that, that 20%, I would say. Yeah, that's a lot. Is um, trading nationally.
0: How awesome, too, is it for other food organizations around the country to have this situation where they may need this and you have a lot and you may need this and they have more? And how great that is for the individual people that are hungry here to get the food that really helps drive the system. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome.
1: You know, one of the best examples I'll share with you, this is um, one that just came up. We worked 10 years on this, so that I'm very, very proud of it. Wow. In our um, Appleton Food Bank, we have a clean room. It's a USDA grade clean room. We can um, repack food in there. And so, and we use volunteers to do that. And so, one of the things that we did is we went out to um, some frozen. Um, uh, food manuf- or producers who package up all the fresh vegetables that could harvested it. And then they package them into these frozen. They were throwing away hundreds of thousands of pounds of frozen vegetables that either were slightly blemished. And by that, I will say missing like four kernels of corn on a corn on the cob will exclude it from going into the frozen food system. And so what we did is we said, hey, we'll take that. We'll repack it and then we'll be able to get all this fresh vegetables out. And they said, you can have as much as as you can take and package. So we had to buy a uh, metal detector. Anything coming off the um, harvest out of the fields has to be uh, put through a metal detector. And we figured out how to package it. And it's all um, through the USDA and it's all safely packed. And now we're able to trade all of that. So we take as much of that corn on the cob, for example, that we can get and now we're trading that in the system. We call it our currency. It's corn currency.
0: That's amazing. Do you take the corn off the cob or do you just package it no, on the pack cob? No, you package it on the cob. That is so amazing. And just to think, all those hundreds of thousands of pounds were just being wasted. Mm-hmm. And now it can go to help food insecurity. Yeah, I mean, a lot of optimism. You know, when I'm at Feeding America we're talking about this stuff, I got to tell you, I feel kind of sad sometimes because, I mean, it's so amazing what you're doing, But to really think that there's that many people that need the food that are going hungry, it's sad. But to hear these kind of things where you're 10 years in the making to to all of a sudden have hundreds of thousands of pounds of food, I mean, I guess there's a lot of room for optimism.
1: There is a lot of room for optimism. And um, that's one of the things about how I lead this organization is I am very much um, a person who embraces innovation. And, and social innovation, particularly. And so we look at things like, how can we do something different? Because our mission is to solve hunger, not just continue to, to serve the need. We will continue to serve the need. And right. that's going to be a big part of what we do. But we're also going to look at how do we make the line shorter? How do we make sure people get the food so that we are starting to close a gap and we don't have have the problem of food insecurity like we do now.
0: Well, there's so many opportunities to work with your great organization. And I know my staff and myself and our directors, we've all been behind Feeding America. And I just want to talk briefly about some of the stuff that we've been involved in, hopefully that can get some other people excited. And then I want to talk about some of the new things you have going on early this year in 2023. We've been involved with you in the annual Thanksgiving donation. We bring groups of employees multiple times a year to Feeding America to do whatever you need us to do. You have this great classroom where we can be prepared. We put our um, our vests on so we can't get run over by a forklift. And talk about this program because my employees absolutely love it. And I want to say I know my employees are hardworking when they're there. Last time I was there, we were sorting pizzas into boxes, and then uh, the food pantries could grab them online. But talk about that amazing program where people can actually come in with their businesses and come on, Milwaukee businesses and Appleton businesses, get your employees out to Feeding America. It's a great place to do something, make a difference, and they make it so easy on you. But talk about that program, how it started, how many people come through it, and uh, tell people where they can go to get more information about it.
1: Absolutely. So we use volunteers for almost everything that we do. Sometimes they are volunteers, um, as your your company does, in our sorting space. That's actually our biggest um, group of volunteers. Then we have others that might have a very special um, skill set that they want to offer to us. And then we have the skills-based volunteers. So they might help us in one of our departments or something along that line. But but, um, corporations particularly are um, the ones that will come out during the day and support us um, and pack right there on site like I said to you, of all those those 30-some millions of pounds of food, and that's only X um, food that's going out. It doesn't count all the food coming in that has to get sorted. All of that has to be looked at, inspected, packaged, um, uh, uh, sorted into uh, different categories so the pantries know what it is that they're getting. And all of that happens by volunteers. And when we have um, groups like yours and other corporations coming out, it's a fun day. We try to make it fun because it is meant to be um, help you see and understand Why it is that we all work in community together you do your part on a daily basis and then you come over and help us we do our part and we like to give back to you by giving your employees a good experience Um, if anybody wants to come out and volunteer whether you're part of a group or an individual or a family we just steer them to our website www.feedingamericawi.org and you'll see the volunteer site there you can pick which facility you want to work in and then pick the date Our slots fill up really fast, which is nice, but then we will always open up more because we need as many volunteers as we can get to do the work that we do.
0: Awesome. Let's talk about some of the things you have going on uh, early this year. I know there's one uh, new that we're a title sponsor of. I'm so excited about it. I was uh, there when we were filming some commercials for it uh, at the end of last year. But let's talk about the PB&J Challenge. Tell everyone about it.
1: Yes. So um, peanut butter and jelly PB&J challenge is something we've been doing for years. And we love this event. And I'll tell you, the reason is peanut butter is food bank gold. When we can get peanut butter in the door, um, we know that kids especially, um, it's a good protein that kids can eat it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. They can make it their sandwiches on their own if they don't have an adult helping them out. So we work really hard to get peanut butter in the food bank. It's one of those products that isn't donated very often. So your help on this is, is so important. What we do is we set up um, a program where we do a um, peanut butter jelly drive, but we do a lot of fun events around this. Um, we were bringing out Bobby Portis this year to really make sure that uh, we get some more excitement around it and more people are aware of it. Yeah. This is a program that a lot of the young um, school kids will help us out with. So, um, you know, thank you for sponsoring this because it's one of our most important food drives of the year.
0: What makes peanut butter hard to get for you? Is it because it has a longer shelf life, so therefore it gets sold and then put back so there isn't a lot there?
1: Exactly. Um, It's an expensive product. It's a a product that we don't grow here in Wisconsin for the most part. And so um, it is something that uh, retailers have to bring in and, and that typically means that it's a little bit harder of a product to donate.
0: And how'd you get Bobby Portis? And why Bobby Portis? I love Bobby. I'm a huge Bucks fan. I go to a lot of the games. I see him. The crowd loves him. He's just a hardworking, working persons player, perfect for Milwaukee. But how did you get him to get involved? And, and tell us about that.
1: So the Bucks have been working with us um, a lot, and they like the work that we do. We work with them. And and in that, we just got to know some of their their players. And um, Bobby, we were looking for the right place to put Bobby. Bobby's a special guy. He is. He is uh, dynamic, and he's enthusiastic, and he loves helping particularly children. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you, I've watched uh, Bobby during all our, our commercial shoots and the, and the media we were taking pictures of for this program. And I've watched him down more than one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. He has stories about it from when he was a kid. Um, he is just genuinely concerned that every child has, has food. And um, so it was a natural fit.
0: I was there uh, when they were filming his commercials for this. And it was really, really fun on a number of levels. Number one, watching him interact with the kids. And he made it clear to everyone that was involved in filming the commercials, listen, if I'm with the kids, I don't want to be bothered. Let me be with the kids when we're not shooting and doing whatever. And the kids were just so excited. But there was a lot of you could see natural fun there. Like he really enjoyed what he was doing. Also, I could see, because I do a lot of filming of commercials and other things, it was fun to watch him. He was so prideful in doing the work. And if he flubbed up and it is not easy, I could tell you from experience and all the blooper re- blooper reels that I'm a part of here through uh, my crack marketing staff. But it isn't easy. And. When he would screw up, he would like be yelling at himself in front of all of us. It it was quite fun. But I thought with him, the kids, the commercials, I thought it turned out great. I don't know if the final product is done and you've seen it, but I thought it was fantastic. All the stuff that he was doing.
1: Yeah. He, I have not seen the final product yet and I'm excited to see it shortly, but, um, yeah, you know, and, and what I really love about what he does is, you know, he has the brand or he has a logo underdog and, um, he really, uh, his story is really from that perspective. When you, when you hear why and how he came to Milwaukee, he really sought after coming to Milwaukee specifically. Interesting.
0: I don't know that story. Yeah. So that's it's interesting. interesting you will have me. to ask him. And, yeah. and
1: it really has to do with, um, he wanted to come here. He wanted a market like this. He wanted to be able to make a difference. And now here he is, is our unofficial uh, mayor of Milwaukee and yeah. um, genuinely great guy. You know, the other thing I've watched him, uh, we had one of our, um, what we call our food leaders, which is a person with lived expertise. It's uh, we were talking with a grandma who um, is raising her grandkids unexpectedly after gun violence took her son. Mm. And she has five little ones that she's now caring for after she thought she was done and passed this part of her life. And one of her um, grandkids um, came to one of our events with Bobby and he is a very quiet young man. And um, Bobby, pulled him out pulled him aside didn't care that there were cameras other things that were going on he wanted the time with this with this young boy mm-hmm. and he took him under his wing and he started mentoring him and they still stay in touch mm. it's just very special and very genuine yeah and when i saw that i knew that that is the representative we wanted for feeding america
0: That's great Now this program runs from January 16th to February 16th and what does that mean it runs from them I know people can go to your website. Is that where they can find out more information about, you know, how to help or what to do? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So during that time, we will need um, what we always call food funds and friends. So we'll need the donations to purchase the food. We need um, food donations. But during that time, we need the volunteers to come out and sort that product and make sure that we're getting it out very, very fast. Um, We do put a timeline on it. Um, Doesn't mean we will always accept peanut butter and a deli. Um, we will always accept that, but we do put that timeline on it, so that people are really paying attention and learning during that time why peanut butter is so important.
0: Okay, and tell us about some other programs Feeding America offers. I know those mobile pantries, school pantries, anything else going on You know, in the first half of the year that you want to l- let people know about or talk about?
1: You will see a lot of um, opportunity to volunteer during this time because we will be doing a lot of outreach once the weather starts to change. Um, Right now, January and February, we really look for people to come into our facility and do a lot of our sorting. Um, it's a, a little bit more of a quiet time for us coming off the holidays. Um, and we want people to remember that that donations are still really very, very important and volunteering is still really important even though we're outside of the holidays now. Um, I would look to as we soon as we get to March and April and May, as soon as we get to that later springtime, what we're going to start to what you're going to start to see is that that opportunity to volunteer on the out on the outside, doing some of our mobile pantries, or getting involved with some of the special programs that we're going to be doing. Um, in terms of April's our big fundraising event, that's where we'll be looking for people to come out and support that. It's going to be uh, pretty special this year. We're looking at getting a very spectacular um keynote speaker who i can't say yet but it's unusual it's not um, a name that people would know but certainly with uh, a lot of experience in that food security space on a global level
0: oh that's amazing Um,
1: so we are really excited about um the spring and all the events we have coming up but but what we really want people to think about is go to our website all the time we will keep it up to date and look for those opportunities to to get involved.
0: Well, Hubie and Abraham has a mission statement that says it's going to give back to the community based on our successes. And I'll tell you, for me, I've been here almost 30 years now. One of the things I'm most proud of is that we, you know, we say it, and but we actually mean it. And we give our employees and pay our employees eight hours a, um, of our... We pay for them to go out eight hours in the community and make a difference. And they've really grasped what we think is important. Giving back. We've given over a million dollars of our own money to hundreds of organizations. And each year as a gift to the owners, our uh, employees pick a charity of their choice where they give their own money. And it's usually between 10 and $15,000. And I'm excited to announce that we send it off and ask our employees who they wanted to pick. And they picked you this year. They picked Feeding America. So our employees are going to volunteer as much as they always do, but they're going to put their money where their mouth is and they're going to give their donation at the end of this year to you guys. So I'm super excited that you're here and I could tell you that that's who they, so I'm super excited it's you this year and uh, we wanted to announce that on this podcast and uh, we just can't tell you enough how great we think your organization is, how great we think you are at the helm (laughs) and we're just so proud to be associated with you.
1: Well, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, thank you, and 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 thank your employees on this. That's that's a huge honor because there are so many good nonprofits in this community, and one of the things I really like about working where I do is that um, we get to partner with a lot of those nonprofits as well. So when you donate to us, we're also going to help benefit a lot of the other nonprofits in the community. Um, but it even means more when it comes from from a team, a staff like that, and especially your team who. Um, Clearly, when they come, they have a good time. I mean, that is they that do. is very very clear. Yeah. Um, but your your team really understands what it is that they're trying to do in the community, what they're trying to do through us, what they're trying to do with us, and that is just um, so special because we can get a lot more done together than we could ever do without partnering. So, thank you, thank you very much for yeah. that. That's very exciting. It and is exciting. It's exciting to do for good me. things. Yeah, <laughs>
0: awesome. Well. Before we let you go, we always play a game. Every one of my guests plays a game. We call it the Hupie Hot Seat. Today, Patty's going to play Hupie Hot Seat, Food Safety Edition. Patty will have to answer three questions regarding food safety. So here we are, question number one. The CDC estimates that roughly how many people get sick each year from foodborne illnesses? A, 28 million. B, 38 million or C, 48 million? And before you answer, I have to say, wow, that many people are getting sick from foodborne illnesses. That's wild. So I guess A, 28 million, B, 38 million, or C, 48 million?
1: Well, gosh, my, my answer is usually always D, so this is a problem, but I'll go with B, 38 million.
0: Okay, it's actually 48 million. Oh, okay. Isn't that scary yeah, to that think scary. 48 million yeah. people? Yeah. Wow, crazy. Which of the following is not you know, here's the, yeah, the, is not a major food allergen. Shrimp, milk and shrimp, a B milk and eggs, C honey or D tree nuts. C you are right. C honey. I knew you'd get this one, right? Uh, and then the last question, food should be left at room temperature for no more than a, she's already shaking her head here. Two hours, B three hours or C four hours.
1: I would go with A, two hours.
0: You are right. Two hours is the max time perishable foods should be at room temperature, one bacterium can double every 20 minutes. Wow, that is crazy.
1: We require our entire leadership team to have a food safety manager certificate. So I had to take it, but I got to be honest with you that it's been a while. Well, look (laughs) how good you did. That is amazing. Well,
0: Patty, thank you so very much for being here today. We're so grateful you took time out of your busy schedule, and I know how busy you are uh, to come here to be on our podcast. And we're just so excited that um, our employees chose Feeding America this year for the charity of choice. Keep up the great work. We're so proud of you. And I look forward to seeing you when I'm volunteering at Feeding America soon.
1: Thank you so much. And thank your team. I really appreciate it.
0: Case Result Reading In December 2018, our client was in the drive-thru of a popular Milwaukee restaurant. Another driver backed out of the parking space into our client's car. She received treatment of her injuries for many months. The insurance company sent a letter offering $500 to resolve the claim, citing a lack of physical evidence to support our client's injuries. Attorney Tom Perlberg rejected the offer and a lawsuit was filed. Without a trial, attorney Perlberg resolved the claim for $85,000. To view more cases like this, visit hupi.com under the results section. Thank you for listening to this episode I'll Tell Them You Mean Business. If you want more information about the topics covered on this podcast, visit hupi.com or email info at hupe.com. And as always, if you're injured in an accident, be sure to call Hupi and Abraham at 800-800-5678 to tell them you mean business.